everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 110th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Coming to you live from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week we have Philip Geary. He spent time with the Idaho Falls Shuckers. He is the former assistant general manager with the Bakersfield Blaze and a former director of operations for the Charleston River Dogs. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to the older episodes. There's something back there for everyone. Um, yeah, definitely some good uh, conversations back there. Um, would love to give some some shout-outs here soon. Uh, it's been a while since I've done that. The easiest way to do that, drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That really helps the business end of things. Um, not that I'm making a lot of money off of this, but um, every little bit helps, right? So um, that helps us drive us up the charts a little bit. So go ahead, drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I will shout you out here on the podcast and on Twitter as well. Speaking of Twitter, make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast at Pooling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the show and reach out about becoming a guest. Um, if there's any businesses out there that are looking for unique sponsors, um, the DMs are open. So, so go ahead and slide in there. And if you really want to, you can follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Don't forget, we have merchandise. Not a lot, but we do have some. You can now get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. Or You can find that in the bio on our Twitter account. Or you can go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. With all of that being said, let's chat with Philip Geary. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous.
Philip, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, super appreciative you were able to move some things around. I know you got some some uh, company in town. Um, you you worked uh, in minor league baseball for a long time, man. You were with the Idaho Falls Shuckers. You were with the Bakersfield Blaze, RIP, and the Charleston River Dogs. Um, so let's start with what are you up to now, man? Uh, right now, I live in Gainesville, Florida, um, which is close to home. I grew up in Jacksonville, okay. um, and then I left and I went to a, I went to school in Gainesville. I went, I went to UF okay. eventually. Uh, <clears throat> I did like a six six years at community college, um, where I took everything from undertaking and from automotive to undertaking. <laughs> um, like my transcripts definitely say funeral services major, nice. um, which is a very long story. But yeah, so I did all that, and then I went to UF. I ended up, uh, I left here, I went to Idaho, um, where I met, uh, uh, a summer girlfriend, okay. you know, you know, you, in baseball, you hang out with a girl for a summer, yeah. now she's my wife, mother of <laughs> my child, um, I really, I'd like to say I screwed that up, but, uh, she's way prettier than I am, like, makes way more money than I did, so someone screwed up, but it wasn't me, <laughs> um, but she moved me back to Gainesville, she got a job down here, um, and now we live here, and I work at a small marketing firm. Um, and we just do, we do social media for some local companies. We, uh, work with Steve Spurrier and his new restaurant, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. Okay. Um, is located in Gainesville, Florida. You should definitely stop by. Yeah. It's delicious. And they have, uh, two Heisman trophies there. Ooh. Um, one of the, uh, both of them, of which, uh, I drove around town in my car. Wow. Um, which was pretty dumb. I had like a, I had 82 El Camino. And then I had a 68 Ford F100. So not like the safest of vehicles. No. Uh, but I met Danny Warfel, and he gave me his Eisman Trophy. And I was like, cool, man. And I uttered away in his old truck. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so as I did not, I worked for a marketing company. Uh, and that's about it. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, um, so I listened to you on Paul Caputo's podcast, the base, the, right. uh, yeah, the, um, what is it called? The Baseball by Design podcast. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Paul. I blinked on that for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking it was the uh, anti dad hat. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's me and Paul. He, he, you know, he loves those dad hats, and I hate them. Yeah, you know, yeah. The higher the crown, the closer to God. I tell him. <laughs> I <laughs> I personally am not a I'm not really a hat guy in any capacity. Like every hat I put on my head, it just looks so stupid. And did you work baseball for like twenty years? Like you, you're a veteran. How do you work in baseball and not wear a hat? I don't know. Well, I was for the most part like I was always like an inside guy, you know. Besides my one, yeah. my one year in food and beverage, obviously. But um, yeah, the rest, you know, we're, we're basically inside. But like, I consider myself very lucky that I'm thirty two years old and still have a full head of hair. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So. I'm 40. 42. There you I, go. I've lost the drop. It's, it's slowly going uh, blonde. Uh, okay. It's blank, it's a strand by strand. Um, but uh, yeah, I wear a hat every day. I've got like, I, I have almost had to uh, Paul and uh, those guys. They, higher ground. It doesn't matter what kind of hat I put on my head. It looks stupid. And like, I'm not the <laughs> only person that says that. Like my, my wife, like we'll be in the store and she'll like put a hat on my head and she'll be like, 
yeah, just no hats work on you. Like, what, <laughs> like I just have a s- stupid shaped head, apparently. Um, <laughs> but well, I probably look dumb in hats too. But I wear them every day. So no one ever says anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I also, look. I cut my own hair. I've cut my own hair since I was like twenty. Okay. So I always have a stupid haircut, so that really helps. Um, So we're both enjoying some adult beverages this evening. It looks like. No, I'm drinking a seltzer. Oh, a polar polar seltzer. Yeah. I um I'm the I'm a rare breed man. I don't smoke nothing. I don't drink nothing. Okay. I'm a lifelong teetotaler. Uh, But um. Yes, I I went through ten years of baseball and never had an adult beverage. Wow, that's incredible. Honestly, yeah, yeah, we're. I mean, we're both outliers. Like, like you didn't drink, and I didn't wear any hats. So, yeah, <laughs> together, together, we're one baseball employee. Right, exactly. Um, so I listened to to Paul's podcast just to get some insight on you and your background. Um, and so, what were some obstacles that you had to tackle with the way the Bakersfield Blazes Stadium was built? Oh, buddy, Bakersfield, man, <laughs> it's a loaded uh, question. Have... We had so many obstacles. Um, one of them uh, is that I got there. I got there after the 2010 season. I was in Idaho Falls, 2009, 2010. Uh, first is the uh, as an intern. Then the second year, I gave myself a really fancy title, um, but I can't remember what it was. Um, but it was good. Um, they, they made me look real important. I had a desk that was made of three boxes of like paper. You know. Like, yeah. Case the paper phone. Yeah. Three and like so if anyone needed paper, I'd like break down my box, like my desk, to get another ring of paper for the broadcast to you know print his desk. Yep. Um, <laughs> but so anyway, so those were great. And then I'm in Bakersfield, and first problem is that everyone thought we left uh, because from 2005 like, on, the rumor was we were we were dying, we were dead, we were gone. Yeah. We were moving east. We were moving west. We were moving somewhere. Um, so no one knew we were there, and no one cared. Um, okay. And then the, the big problem, of course, is that the sun sets in the center field. Yikes. Um, so there are two stadiums where the sun sets in the center field. One is Bakersfield. The other one is Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, home of the Pittsfield Suns, that are a wood bat team. Yeah. Uh, who are actually owned by the same guys that own the Charles River Dogs. Okay. So somehow I worked for both organizations that uh, – owned baseball parks that faced the wrong way wow uh, but in Bakersfield it's fun at some point the engineers and I will say nothing uh, foul of um, Bakersfield engineering um, but they built this wall out in center field and it was it was probably 50 feet tall and 150 feet long okay. so they would block the sun because you can't start a game until like 8 o'clock in July right you know, like, <clears throat> you know, the sun to set um, and so they built this wall to block the sun, but they built it in November. So they didn't take into account the sun moves across the sky through <laughs> the seasons. Yeah. So in April, it just barely scratched the side of the, the, uh, the wall. Like oh it just, and then you know, there's, <laughs> our outfield wall was 15 feet tall, just straight plywood, no padding. No, it was a chain link fence with, plywood like screwed on top of it yeah uh, i know at least one uh minor baseball player who dislocated his shoulder uh and uh that injury lingered for a very long time um mm. but they you know it's 15 feet tall so they built the wall at 15 feet 
Yeah, the, the sunscreen. Yeah. Uh, it's 15 feet off the ground. But it's like 15 feet behind the actual wall. So the sun would set and be fine. And then 20 minutes later, the sun would peek out from the bottom. Because <laughs> it, the way, you know, physics works, like, the, you know, you move something back, it didn't line up. Right. So I don't, so for decades, they had a sun delay. And then they built a wall, and it's fine. And then they have another sun delay, because now the sun was in the catcher's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, for 20 years, they did. So at some point, I get the genius idea to take scraps of wood, one foot one foot uh, high, and just screw it onto the top of the wall. Because now it blocked up the sun. There were no more sun delays after that. And like wow. I was like, I'm an idiot. I don't know why I'm the first person to think, like, hey, let's block the sun here it was just like an inch from home plate you know it's just like an inch with the sun come through yeah but it's like laser focused in the catcher and umpire's eyes sure so sure. i was like just put some wood up there man so i put like a, a a foot high piece of scrap plywood uh along the batter's eye and it totally worked wow so that was one of the problems the other problem was um well when i got there in 2010 yeah, uh, infields was atrocious. I mean, there were, there were, uh, the lips were out of control. It, it almost killed a third baseman of the Giants organization. Uh, he took a bat hop. They called it, um, but it took a bat hop off of like a foot lip on the infield oh. and hit him in the throat. Um, Jeez. So we got there and we had to completely rebuild the infield. Me, the groundskeeper, and we had a consultant come in. Um, and that was it. It was three of us. And we had to dig up the entire infield, level it, lay sod, redo the clay, do all that stuff, rebuild the mound. Um, and then uh, I had to go back and off. I was, I was the AGM, so I had to like sell stuff. I had to, yeah. you know, sell stews and chickens and stuff. So uh, I was like, all right, cool, man, we rebuilt the infield. And I told the groundskeeper, now get us a warning track. There's no warning track in the ballpark. What? Yeah, there was in the outfield. Um, there was like, you know, it's, it's like three steps and a bang is generally a wall. Yeah. This was just a bang. <laughs> there was like, <clears throat> there was like a three foot gravel, like warning track in the outfield, but that was it. Nothing along the baselines, nothing behind no plate. It was just grass into the fence. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Then the dugouts were small, the team couldn't fit there. So we had lawn chairs spread out in the baselines. Um, there was, uh, there's one day. The other thing is, it's 150 degrees in Bakersfield. Yeah. There's not much shade on the ball on the ball field. You know what I mean? It's not like you the left fielder can stand behind a tree. Yeah. Um, so I, we played day games. And it was rough, man. Rough out there. Um, Sounds like it. So that was rough. Um, ballpark only held held like a thousand people. Uh, and our goal when we got there was no games under a hundred. Okay. We didn't want a single game with under a hundred people because that was the thing. It was yeah. like sometimes there'd be more degrees than fans. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. And we did it. It was me, <clears throat> me, uh, Liz Martin, Dan Bespris, uh, and then later a guy named Mikey Candela, uh, who could sell, he could sell, I think Candela's a great salesman. If you're looking for a salesman, call Mike Candela. I think he's the GM if I said it. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, I mean, we put our work in, man, and we never had a game under 100. Oh, and I have to mention Megan Murphy, too. Uh, Chris showed Text making out of me, but uh, never game under 100. We got close I and mean, we had 105 a couple times, but um, it was, it was wild, man. It was it was like the hardest thing I've ever done. 
Um, and I don't, and like, you know, you go to Dayton because we were a Reds affiliate. Yeah. So, um, teams would come in from, or, you know, guys would come in from Dayton yeah. where they have like a yeah. beautiful ballpark. They got 7,000 fans. You know, it's like a triple A experience there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. And then they come to Bakersfield and it's like a, it's like a Pecos League ballpark. Yeah. Which is what it is now. Right. Um, and so I thought, if you can make it a Bakersfield, man, you can make it. Like, you know, you're, you're going to be all right. But yeah. Some of the players, you know, a little more pampered. Uh, mm-hmm. So they want Dayton. Um, and, and I'll tell you, it's the Reds. Uh, the Reds, the first two years I was there, they gave us as a, our manager's Ken Griffey Sr. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Griff was just hanging out. And Griff is good friends with Eric Davis. So Eric Davis was just hanging out, you know, and those guys didn't come up with minor league baseball. Those guys came out in like minor league baseball. Like right. Griff always told me he got a he got a bus ticket and a jock strap when he signed with the Reds. Yeah. Um, and I think he had to pay him back for the jock strap. Um <laughs> but so, you know, when guys would get a little like fussy about the you know, the ballpark, he's like, You don't like it, play better. Yeah. Because <laughs> they can go from Dayton to Bakersfield to Pensacola. Pensacola's a brand new ballpark. Right. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, I mean, it was rough. A lot of the players were, uh, like, just upset to be there. Mm-hmm. But then you had a ton of players who were just happy to play baseball. They sure. saw how hard the staff was working. You know, they appreciated it. So there's, like, a, a whole handful of, like, former Reds players and uh, and uh, Jesse Winker. Uh, and they just, yeah. you know, I just love them because they were so just happy to be in Bakersfield. Not that anyone's happy to be in Bakersfield. Right. Yeah. No. It was uh, the same way in Beloit. Nobody wanted to be there. Um, no players. No visiting broadcasters. Yeah. Um, nobody really wanted to be there. Um, yeah. It was... But and, and I think that you must have the same experience. Like, but when you are there, like, oh, man. If someone says some bad stuff about Bakersfield, oh, I was up in arms, man. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You talk trash about Bakersfield, the whole city at this point, I'm on you. You know what I mean? Like, right. Because you can't, be, make it in Beloit, you can't make it in Bakersfield. I don't even I don't I got no respect exactly. for Exactly. Like people don't understand like the blood, sweat and tears that that we put into those respective ballparks. Um, and for nothing, you know what I mean? Like you right. put in that much anywhere else and you got Dayton at a triple A ballpark, you know? You do yep. it in Bakersfield or Beloit, um, you do it in they never did it in high desert. You could try it in high desert. You know what I mean? Like you, you're gonna get nothing back, but it's gonna be so rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're talking about Dayton and how it's like wonderful, which it is. Don't get me wrong. Um, their security is garbage, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, so a buddy of mine, he was actually the first guest on this podcast, um, and he's actually in. Uh, Greenville now. So, um, but South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive. Yeah, and um, so we went to a Dayton Beloit game on the road. He's from the Cincinnati area, so so we went back to his hometown for the weekend, and we went to a Dayton a game at Dayton, and um, so I go to it was like I don't know late in the game, and I was. I had a few adult beverages and so I went up to the dugout to the visiting dugout and I was and all the guys were like oh what are you doing here you know yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, they blah. love it when you go on the road man they yeah love it when they see something from the home team, like, yeah the game. and 
um, the hitting coach said, said, why don't you come down here and, and enjoy the game in the dugout? And I said, I said, I can't do that. And he goes, he goes, here, I'll help you. And he's like, I'll catch you. And so like, I just like literally jumped down from the stands <laughs> into the dugout. And then I, and then I like went back into the clubhouse and stuff like that. And nobody, yeah. nobody said anything to me. So, um, but, uh, well, I'll say there's security everywhere. I just, I, I live in Gainesville now. I had to go work at UF, uh, the UF Kentucky basketball game a couple months ago. Yeah. And I showed up an hour before Gates opened with a box. And I was like, yeah, I'm here to work a table. And they were like, yeah, that's cool, man. And they just let me in. And I wow. was there at the table. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm, like, you just show up and you're just like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. And they're like, yeah, all right, cool, man. Whatever. <laughs> um, it's so, it's so fitting that like we got hooked up at this time because I was just talking to a customer of mine and his son came in and he was he was moving his vehicle from one state to another to get registered in Delaware and um we started talking and and um he's he's a baseball player and he he's last year he played in the P- Pecos League and he played for oh, yeah. for Baker Bakersfield and oh, yeah. And I was I was like I was like, Oh okay, okay. And um, you know, he's he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do as far as a playing career. I think he's twenty six maybe. Um Man, this is what you need to tell him. There was a kid that played for Bakersfield. His name was uh John Holscomb. And John Holscomb was a he was like a six foot eight left left handed kid. Okay. Uh he he was he's fine. Um but the Reds caught him, and he played indie ball, and he fell from you know the American Association all the way down to like below the Pecos League. You know yeah, what I mean? right. Uh, and scout was out of games, was looking at someone else, and saw this like left hand come up out of this like bullpen. But just he could just see the hand. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I shouldn't be able to see a hand over that building. You know, there's like a a, a, a wall or something. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I have to stick around and see what's going, what, what's coming out of the bullpen. So he saw him, and he liked his stuff, and they took Holtzcomb's, like, fastball, they took his grip, and it was like, I don't remember which way it was, but, like, they moved his fingers literally, like, half an inch out, or half an inch in, and the kid uh, had time with the Pirates. Like, wow. it was just like, he was holding the ball, like, a half inch, his fingers half inch too close on the seams, and some pitching coach was like, try it like this, and moved his fingers, like, just barely moved his fingers, wow. and then, I mean... I don't. I mean, he had a cup of coffee, but I mean, okay. I'd I'd like a cup of coffee with the, the pirates. Right? Who wouldn't? Is it true that half of the field was burned for a portion of a season while you were in Bakersfield? Uh, not while I was there. Oh, okay. Um, it, that, but that's how they. That's how they supposedly got their name. That's one of the myths. Um, is in the nineties, uh, the groundskeeper had left and. The sprinklers came on and soaked the field, and Visalia's third base coach or pitching coach or something convinced the home team because, like, the mascot um, at that point, who was uh, a a Dalmatian. Um, no, at this point, they're they're, they're uh, the Dodgers, I guess. So okay. it was Roger Dodger. I don't know okay. whoever the mascot was. They um, he stepped on the sprinkler head to stop the water from coming out, but said he just flooded third base side uh, so they poured kerosene over the infield clay to dry it out which is works yeah well. yeah then they dried out the grass with the kerosene so they just 
burned the hell out of the, so for the half the season they had no grass on the third base side wow okay so that was one of the reasons like people were like oh yeah that's why they call the place it's okay fire. okay um, and, but the truth is that it's hot they still so. yeah okay fair enough yeah <laughs> um, um so just just like me like i mean the team still exists they have a new stadium um and a new name but what's it like to have worked for a team that no longer exists? Uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Uh, I mean, like, nobody... I mean, we talk to people who don't work in big baseball or don't minor league baseball. Like, they don't, they don't know. They don't care. You right. know what I mean? Like, but, like, you work with people... It, and it's getting to be... I mean, their last season was 2014, I think, or 2015. That was when they shuttered. Uh, so around there. Um, it's, oh, maybe 2016. Whatever it was, they shut down. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. there are less and less people I know that you know who like who experienced it. And you can like some people just. I mean, Bix's been the butt of jokes since you know since they invented jokes. Yeah, um, boy too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and you know I mean so it's, you know Bix has got that uh, reputation. It's so, like people make fun of it, but like if you worked the Cal League, if you went to games in Bakersfield, like you know either that was the worst ballpark you ever went to. Or if you went there when I was there, um, hopefully uh, we talked because that was part of my my goal. Every night was like I'm going to talk to everybody in this ballpark. Okay. There's 120 people here. It's you know it's, it's not anything. Yeah. I'm gonna talk to every single order. So I went and talked to everybody, and then after the game, I would stand out front with pocket schedules, and yeah. I would hand every single person a pocket schedule and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, come see us tomorrow." I guarantee a win for every game. Um, I never said who was going to win, but, you know, I was like, someone's definitely yeah. going to win. Come on up. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, you know, it's like, so if you went when I was there, I mean, you definitely saw ridiculous things. Um, and we didn't get the press or promotions that, like, you know, uh, I mean, Charleston also gets a lot of press. Sure. Um, the St. Saint Paul Saints do a great job. So they get a lot of press. You know, people who do promotions get a lot of, this was, Twitter was like a newish thing mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. Um, so, and we had one game where we threw out, we had a cat throw up the first pitch. Okay. How did that go? There was a, there was a cat in Bakersfield that uh, saved a little boy's life. Uh, there oh. was, her name was uh, Tara, Tara the Hero Cat. Okay. Um, and like, it was on, you know, home, like, video, and, like, you know, like the security footage. And, like, sure. this pit bull, this Bakersfield, I was like, probably the highest percentage of spray pit bulls I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Uh, there's um, just straight pit bulls just everywhere. I don't know why. I, you know, I've lived in Gainesville. I lived in Charleston for four years. I never saw one stray dog, but Bakers will have a ton of stray dogs. Um, but they, uh, the pit bull runs attacked this little boy and a cat ran out and like drop kicked the dog and scared the dog off. Oh, Okay. And so we, Bakersfield, because I haven't Bakersfield, so we were going to have the little boy come out and throw a first pitch out. Sure. Um, and then, but it was like an internet sensation at that point. It was like a, you know, a viral clip. Right. And so, so I think TMZ called, somebody called, and they're like, are you going to have to cat throw the first pitch? And I was like, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that was the plan the whole time. Now I'm just cat throw the first pitch. Um, and I had this whole system of throwing out first pitches. Um, that I came up with in Idaho. Uh, I, I came up with the idea. I had um, someone much smarter than me, uh, Baby J, I think, that helped me come up with the physics. Um, we had Darth Vader come out 
Okay. So yeah. I was like, Darth Vader's gonna throw the first pitch, but like, he's gonna use the force. Sure. You know, so we had a ball with some fishing line, and there's like, you know, the string, and you walk and pull, and it worked out great. Um, and then um, eventually they said Darth Vader's not allowed to throw first pitches. I don't think the characters let to touch the ball or something. Disney won't let them. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, they no they did say that. Yeah. 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 But uh, <clears throat> back in my day, you wanted to have Darth Vader throw out the first pitch. I'll tell you what. I had a whole system set up. So I set that up with Cat. And then, like, some... And then we went crazy. But we had... Because we're two hours from L.A. So, like, we right. had, like, Japanese TV was out there. Brazil was out there. Like, it was a slow news day. So everyone was like, oh, go to Bakersfield and watch this cat throw. Okay. Someone kicked the line. It, it didn't turn out very good. Oh, it's one of the biggest disappointments of my life. But um, <laughs> it was so fun. Um, sure. So. Okay. Uh, Speaking of Twitter, Twitter, who do you think still runs the uh, Bakersfield Blaze Twitter account? Uh, I know who runs the Bakersfield Blaze Twitter account, uh, and they are in hell. They are in baseball hell to this day, and they'll suffer in hell, and they'll always be in hell, and they can rot in hell. Is it? Uh, is it you? It's it, it's the broadcaster. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, at that point, like, we, in Bakersfield, be, you know, no one really, and maybe you have this problem in Beloit, I don't know, I mean, you know, we're, nobody in the Cal League liked us, no one liked coming to our ballpark. Yeah, nobody liked, yeah, nobody in Midwest League liked us. Yeah, nobody liked us, and then, uh, because we're all, I don't know, jerks, we are like, oh, you don't like us. I mean, that's, you know, the, the theme song for Bakersfield is Buck Owens. Streets of Bakersfield. Um, it does. Okay. It's a great song. By Yoakum covered it in the '90s with Buck. Um, and the lyrics are: "You don't know me, but you don't like me. So you care less how I feel, but you can't sit and judge me until you walk the streets of Bakersfield." And that's the city anthem. And we took it to heart, man. So you don't want to. You don't like us. Middle fingers in the air. Yeah. We don't care about you. We don't, you couldn't do what we're doing. You wouldn't do what we we're doing. You spent a month in this town. You 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 drive home to your mom and like, get out of baseball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you didn't do it. Nobody get through a season of Bakersfield. I, we broke a lot of people. Like, we brought interns in and we broke the hell out of them. Yeah, um, we did the same thing. Not a lot of them made it the full year. No. You're right. You know, it's the way it goes. And then the ones who did, you're like, kid, you can do whatever you want, man. Yeah. Like, you, if you can do this, you can do anything you want. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the kids who did were great. So, oh, yeah. um, but yeah, so Dan, I mean, he was kind of, um, he was pithy on Twitter before Wendy's, you know what I mean? And now, right. what is minor league baseball going to do? You know, they can't, they can't shut us down. No. So. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That I, I had no idea who was running it, but it, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and that's sort of the, the joy of working in Bakersfield and now like currently it's like, the whole time, like when you relieve yourself from that uh like care you know what i mean like do whatever you want like we had a promotion where we shoot wieners into the stands with a giant slingshot we got a giant slingshot and we get 10 hot dogs wrapped and slingshot and the entire point to see how many times i could yell wiener on the microphone yes yes i did i got 86 wieners in one in one minute break you know 90 seconds uh 86 wieners. Um, 
Then, you know, you hit a woman in the head with a wiener, you know, like, the wiener hits the net, blows up, you know, there's just, like, there are a lot of, like, you know, because what, what do I care? No one's, no one's watching us. Nobody cares about us. So right. why are we playing by your rules? Right. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. We are back. All right. Um, Phil, Phil, did you ever work with Chris Bitters in Bakersfield? No, he left. Um, he was like the GM before the... It was like Chris worked there and then another guy worked there. I forget his name, but um, he put a lot bunch of Dick Matthews band uh, on the computers, so I don't like him. Um <laughs> And then, uh, and then the others came in together. Okay. Um, but I met Chris at a winter meetings at some point. Um, and I was like, it was kind of like me, like a, a ghost. You know, yeah. We got, you know, they like all the fans. I mean, the fans loved Chris. So they were just like, oh, so finally I was like, Ooh, you're, you're Chris Bitters. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, he's a nice guy. Yeah. He was, um, I, he was the guy that he was the general manager that hired me in Delmarva with the Shorebirds, um, and um, yeah, he always talked about Bakersfield. He had a couple of Blaze, you know, specialty uniforms that you guys did um, in his office, and yeah. um, he he always you know he hired me you know from Beloit, and uh, he asked me how it was, and you know I told him my honest opinion, and um, he's he's like, man. How, are they anywhere close to getting a new stadium? Because I interviewed for the position, I think, so I joined their front office in 2017, and he's like, I interviewed there, like, in the early 2000s, and they were talking about getting a new stadium then. And um, he's like, he's like, yeah, I was, like, super close to to going there. Like, I was looking at houses and everything. And, um, but, yeah, I didn't know if you guys had cross pads in Bakersfield. No, we, we met, we must have met a Saturday League uh, All-Star game or something. Yeah. Um, but, like, I feel like Chris Bitters, from what I know of him from the season ticket holders and the boosters, um, if Chris Bitters had, like, a me and a Dan on staff, if he had someone to run through brick walls and ask questions... He would have, he would have been like as successful as successful quote unquote in Bakersfield as someone could be because yeah. I feel like he had the right mentality and he had the right work ethic. Yeah, but it, you know it's, it's hard to it's hard to operate there if you don't have like a supportive other idiots right. who are willing to do that. Yeah, um, I'm gonna put Chris on blast um, because. <laughs> So I see him from time to time. I, I literally live like 20 minutes away from, or 30 minutes probably, away from the Shorebird Stadium. So I go there as a fan, and right. I still hang out with some of the front office staff and, and stuff like that. So I, I see him from time to time, and I asked him 
to come on the show. And um, I've had some other front office staff members come on the show, and he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the off season, just hit me up, and um, I texted him, never heard back. So I'm maybe gonna, he's still bitter about something. Yeah, maybe. maybe apologize maybe. for something. I mean. Huh? Don't get me wrong. He he probably is bitter about about something that I did. I don't I don't know what. Um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just I'm just playing. But I'm sure he just like was like, oh, I'll text him back later, and just never did yeah. it. But um, well, you should have him on. You know, we can get Chris on there, and we'll get Debris. That's the broadcaster Dan. Okay, that's Chris. Dan, that's Chris. Um, he actually runs a really good uh, fantasy basketball podcast. Um, okay, and. Uh, He's really, he, he just, he's really good at uh, sports betting and fantasy be- basketball. If you okay. want to make money, follow Dan on Twitter and, and you'll figure all this stuff out. Uh, I might, I might we, have oh, to do that. We call him Debris. Debris and the G. That was our nickname for ourselves. Okay. <laughs> all right. But we were trying to get a, we were trying to get a TBS uh, TV show uh, called Debris and the G. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it never really, never really panned out. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll get a full baker so the name on there. We'll, man, we'll, we'll murder everything. We'll yeah. take all the dumb stuff that happened. Okay, all right. <laughs> good, good. Um, so then you left Bakersfield and went to Charleston. What made you leave yeah. Bakersfield and move across the country to work for the River Dogs? Uh, the same reason that my name is spelled uh, F I L U P G for everything that's not legal uh, in my life. <laughs> uh, same reason I've been a vegetarian since 1994. Uh, is a cute girl said we should do this and I said okay um, <laughs> so I left um, my wife the girlfriend at the time wife now uh, yeah. got a job in Charleston okay she's like and I, you know I'm from the east coast I'm from I was actually oddly enough I was born in Charleston um, uh, which I left when I was two so I have very few okay. memories but, but uh, I was I'm a southern by the southern by birth and Floridian by the grace of God um, but you know, she's like, do you want Charleston? And I was like, yeah, sure. So, okay. um, and I left and picture only lasted, you know, it, the writing was on the wall. They, the Elmore sports group who owned it, they'd sold it to some local guys. They were going to build a brand new ballpark and it was going to be great. We had all these like promises and that fell through. Okay. Um, so then went back to the Elmore's and then it's kind of like, all right, this isn't going to last. Like minor league baseball is already like, Taking High Desert, taking Bakersfield, and those on the east, and right. uh, Reds were leading, so it was like you know no one really wanted to be affiliated with us. They ended up in Seattle uh, for a couple of years um, towards the end, and then they almost won the Cal League in the last yeah. year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, I wish I'd gone back. I had a brilliant idea. I got a lot of brilliant ideas. I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> <laughs> but one of them was to have a a funeral for the plays. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was going to take home plate from the ballpark, from Sam Land, over to the cemetery, Bakersfield Memorial Cemetery, whatever, uh, and just bury it. And, you know, I wanted to bury everything. I wanted to bury the hats. I wanted to bury bats. I wanted home plate buried, you know, and just get rid of all, you know, like give it a real proper uh, funeral, you know, yeah. procession. Okay. But, uh, that's what um, Rick Rubin and uh, Russell Simmons uh, when they had uh, Def Jam uh, yeah. the record label uh, they broke up you know, and then you got uh, Def, Ameri- Def America which is Ruben's uh, label or American or whatever it's called 
Um, but they had a whole funeral for it. They had a whole funeral for the record. And like, okay. uh, everyone came out for Run DMC was out there. Oh, cool J. Like they had this huge funeral for a record label. Um, and when I was a kid, I thought someone actually died. Um, huh. no, they just stopped being a record label. Okay. Um, I was like, we should get a bank or something, man. We should yeah. bury all this shit. That would have been um, cool. Yeah, but I wasn't there when it ended, so yeah, I, I followed through. Um, okay. But anyway, yeah. Okay. So, so did you did you ever um, work for the group that owns the River Dogs now? That's headed. Well, I guess it, Bill Murray's a part of the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murray. Uh, they're called the Gold Clang. Yeah, Mark Mark Gold Clang's the majority owner. Um, and then Murray and Mike Beck actually are uh, minority owners of the team. Um, okay. Then there are the other investors though. Like Gene Budick, who was uh, invested in them, and he was like a former chancellor of the University of Kansas. Oh. Uh, okay. Which is we had an old timers game once, and I was on the field, and they were like, "Philip, man, you gotta go open up the, the door downstairs." Gene's there with a uh, uh, Dr. Buding is there with uh, Roy. I was like, cool, man. And I went and opened on his buddy Roy's there. And I walk into the dugout and I'm talking to Roy the whole time. And we get into the dugout and everyone freaks out. Everyone in the like, dugout is like freaking out. Oh, my God. I don't know. And I was like, who is that guy? And like, it's Roy Williams. I was like, oh, my God, that is Roy Williams. <laughs> he, he worked for Gene Budig when he was at Kansas. Yeah. In my head. Okay. Why is Roy Williams in a baseball game? So right. I walked the entire time with this dude. Had a great conversation. Very nice guy. Never once, but and it's not like I don't know who Roy Williams is. You know, you're like, right. Watch sure. Never, never connected. <laughs> um, but yeah, Murray was a real weird thing to have, like as your boss. Um, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, because like you know, I mean, I mean, he's Bill Murray, so he's like Goofy. Bill Murray. Yeah, he's also like your boss. You know what I mean? He's like you can't screw up because then Bill Murray yells at you. But it's not Bill Murray yelling at you; it's your boss. You yeah, know what I mean? like. Um, and it's not like he was like, I mean, he was not like he's the GM, but you know, he's around, he lives in Charleston. Sure. Uh, he'd come, come to games. Um, and because I am like the, I'm, no matter what staff I worked on, I was like the biggest and the ugliest person on staff. <laughs> uh, and like <laughs> since 2008 or nine, I've worn nothing but like all black. Okay. Uh, so even back this up, like I wore black polo, uh, black pants, black boots. That sounds um, terrible. 110 degrees outside. Uh, I'm out there in black 501s. Uh, uh, Charleston the same way. The game's the same way. I mean, I'm 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 black pants now. You know, like, but, uh, <laughs> so they were like, all right, Philip, so you're here. So when Bill's, you know, hope you'll watch the game after the game. He'll he'll take pictures for as long as he can. Um, yeah. They're like, just be around. So I was like. Murray's like unofficial bodyguard. I don't think Bill Murray knew that. Um, right. <laughs> just stand somewhere around here in case someone gets weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's one picture of uh, some guy taking a picture of Bill Murray. Someone sent it to me and texted me. Uh, and I'm in the background. Uh, huh. making a stupid fit. So that's the only picture I have of Bill Murray. Is, like I'm just photobombing this dude's perfectly normal photo. Which to that guy, I feel bad because like, he thought he was getting a nice picture of uh, you know superstar Bill Murray. And there's some idiot like... Like, I don't know, like, make a dumb face in the background. So, so sorry you, to that guy. Do you still have that picture? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, should, you should send it to me, for sure. I will. Okay. Yeah, I will. <laughs> All right. Um, um, that's awesome, though. Man. But it's, it's weird, too, because, like, in 
and I talked about this on Paul's podcast, in Bakersfield, Fred Willard was a fan. He would come to games. Oh. He would go to Jethawk games in Lancaster some nights in Bakersfield, and he would just show up and just hang out. No one ever bothered him. Um, that's like no one even knew who he was, you know? He's just kind of like hung out. So like, um, my resume actually says in the special skills, uh, Fred Willard says I'm funny. Fred Willard told me I was funny one night. Okay. And I was like, okay. And then I got Charleston, and I worked for Bill Murray, and he told me I said weird things. Uh, okay. And I like, when he told me that, I said like a total normal thing. Um, but I guess I said too many other weird things around him. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's weird to go from like Bakersfield, like, you know, Fred Willard, to Charleston, where you work for Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Now I come to Gainesville. Friend Steve at work is the winning as football coach at the University of Florida and the University of South Carolina. You you lead it's, an interesting life, my friend. It's it's I just keep walking into these stupid situations. And it's like, oh yeah, it's, it was my friend Steve for work, it was my friend Bill for work. You know, like <laughs> very weird. That's awesome. Um, so I have some typical you know minor league baseball questions here as well. All right. So uh, what's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work? Worst is also the best. Okay. Um, in Bakersfield, we had this kid, uh, and I've used it twice in my own, in my own life. Um, he was a, he worked in the concession stands, which in Bakersfield, you know, it's 110 outside. It's 130 in the concession stand. Yeah. Uh, and he, he quit in the middle of the season, and he just gave us a – he printed out his resignation letter. It was one line. It just said, uh, I resigned my position. I have too much going on. I can't work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like alright cool man like how are you gonna fight I'm like I've got too much going on I can't work here like, like yeah we all have too much going on but we're we all are. still here yeah that's funny yeah that's the best okay uh, I, I hope that he's doing well yeah I'm sure he is <laughs> I, hope, I hope he found some free time um what's the craziest situation that has occurred during a game that you've had to assist with um, well, I mean, Bakersfield was like, uh, I, one time in Bakersfield, we had a, uh, we had some company that was on the, doing their concourse, you know, that table or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember, I don't think we had radios. At some point I just got a phone call. I was like, it was like, Phil, some guy cut his thumb off. You have to go on, you have to go to the, you know, to the tent. And I was like, mm, okay. That's so okay. I'll he was like cutting a like a rope he tied his tent down or something with, uh, and literally sliced like the whole pad of his oh, thumb off. No. So then it's Bakersfield is like notoriously dark. Like the um, the lights weren't it was standard. Kind like, of a dark concourse. Low. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there were no lights in the concourse. Oh, um, okay. Field lights were too low and oh. not bright enough. Um. But so I'm like out of the flashlight looking and the and the concourse was a blacktop. It was like black tar, like, sure. like blacktop. Right. Um, and I'm like looking for this dude's thumb. And I was like, I looked for like a, and I found like a whole like and I had to get ice in a bag and like put this guy's thumb in uh, a bag and send him to the hospital. Wow. Where they successfully reattached his thumb. So oh, thank goodness. Yeah, okay. you're welcome, Thumbless Guy. Yeah, yeah, dude, you saved a guy's thumb, so... Yeah, I didn't see the Yelp review saying that I was, a, you know, we didn't get a five-star for that. But, right, um, yeah. 
That was kind of wild. Yeah, that sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest interaction that you've had with a fan? Uh, I don't know, man. Um, well, in Bakersfield, um, there was a the, the debris. I was walking down the Congress and said hello to some guy that was, he, oh, was a season ticket holder. Um, but it was not um, a season ticket holder. It was uh, Nick from the the New Girl. Um, whatever that. Oh yeah, yeah, is. yeah. He uh, Jack Johnson, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. Jake, Jake Johnson, uh, maybe. Yeah. Jake Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, but uh, Dan just like, oh yeah, I know that guy. What's up, dude? And he's like, hey, what's going on, man? And then he got like four steps. And was like, wait a second, I don't know that guy. I know that guy from TV. Um, and so and, like they. Jake Johnson and his friends were there to watch Billy Hamilton. Oh. Uh, Billy Hamilton was a blaze for over half a year. Yeah. Um, fast meant a lot, I'll tell you what. Just un- unreal. In, like, he's fast in Major League Baseball. He has high A talent. He was really good, yeah. Um, and so they were there to see him. Um, it was like uh, a bunch of dudes from Drunk History. Um, Jake Johnson was like, the new girl's fairly new at the time. Yeah. But, uh, history guys we were there to watch um billy and so dan's you know the broadcaster's like phil man you know take care of these guys if they want you know if they need anything I'm like, yeah that's cool man um i'd never seen a new girl at that time yeah um, or uh and so like they started talking and one of the kids went to gonzaga says they uh for broadcasting and so it was like do you guys want to come back and call a game and they did and so the drunk history guys showed up got drunk <laughs> Good. Uh, called an entire Blaze game. Jake Johnson <laughs> gave out his phone number on air so people could text and shout outs. You know, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I think I think the only person who shouted him out was his wife, who was very upset that he gave out his phone number. <laughs> uh, I just brought him like a you know a bucket of beer, man, uh, and they came back that year and then the next year. Um, and so that was just like kind of awesome, like to just. But then once again, Bakersfield, it's like. If the new girl was, you know, calling a game and might get some more or, you know. Yeah. You know, people would know about it. Yeah. Probably knew that Bakersfield was, like, had drunk history on, you know, yeah. drunk. That's pretty so. cool, though, because cause I, I really like New Girl. I'm actually, like, re-watching it now. It's, like, one of those shows that you can watch, you just have on in the background yeah. and stuff like that. Brilliant show. Brilliant show. Um, yeah. and, and he is... He is one of the best character, you know, secondary yeah, characters yeah. on TV. Yeah, I he, think he's great, man. And the other two is uh, Benny uh, and uh, Eric. Eric is now the voice of Grizzly on Bear Bears. He's like he does a voice actor. He's like cartoon. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it, it, you can get one. They, they'll tell you about when they went to Bakersfield. Okay. And, drunk and the the press box in Bakersfield, I should mention, is like uh, it's like a single wide trailer. It's a metal box on top of the grandstand, um, and the and the radio booth was just a cubby hole, no Dude. door or anything. So on some nights, because the ballpark was so quiet, you could hear the home broadcaster on one side, the visiting broadcaster on the other, and then the scorekeeper and the scoreboard operator in the middle, like shouting obscenities at each other. Um, yeah, and so like you know, the drunk guys are just drunk. You know, I mean, they're just yelling. Yeah, it's like the whole thing was very chaotic. Uh, and amazing. Dude, you just described the press box in Beloit, too. Um, and 
we didn't have a lot of people in the stands, not because of the heat, um, but primarily because of the cold early on in the yeah, season. Um, and yeah, there were there were times where I could hear like what the manager and the umpire were saying to each other in the press yeah. box as I was doing the PA announcing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same thing in Bakersfield. It's not that far away. Yeah. Uh, there's like some some guys up to bat. You know, it's the ninth inning. We're down. What it runs two outs, and the breeze like all right. You know, like. Jimmy Smith, he's the last chance of the Blaze. Let's see if you can figure out this pitcher. And the kids in the box be like, I can't figure out this pitcher. And they struck out. <laughs> but, you know, you can hear the broadcaster talking. He's like 40 feet away. Right. The ballpark. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's What's the most other duties as assigned moment in your minor league baseball career? Well, I guess mascot doesn't count, right? Because we we're all the mascot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I think I think so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, in Bakersfield, we had this old promotion that we redid called uh, Mr. Trash, uh, and you know, late in the game, so uh, some guy would dress up in a tuxedo and pick up trash. Okay. I, I mean, I don't. I, I feel like it's a pretty standard minor league promotion at some point um, in the past. I don't know. Anyway, so we I thought it was a good idea. It's a good way to pick up, because we had to pick up the ballpark. Yeah. Like after work. Yeah, so did we. Yeah. Um, luckily, when I was there, I met this guy named Nate, um, who was down on his luck, uh, we'll say. And, you know, you get money for recycling cans and bottles in California. So, yeah. at one point, he'd pick up the trash in the ballpark, take it up to the dumpster. He'd take it out of the dumpster, dig through the cans and bottles, and then go get money. And okay. then probably like three days or four days. And I was like, dude, why don't you just come into the ballpark yeah. and you can pick up the cans and bottles and I'll pick up the trash and then I'll be done in half the time and you don't have to dig through the dumpster like yeah. you're a person. You shouldn't be in the dumpster. You're a person. So yeah. come on it. So anyway, um, so the idea is we'll pick up in the seventh or eighth inning and that's the last time we have to spend after the game picking up trash. Sure. So um, somehow I got to be the guy in the tuxedo. Okay. And somehow... It, it got the. It wasn't Philip picking up trash in tuxedo. It was Torch, the mascot, picking up trash in tuxedo. I have to dress in the mascot costume and a tuxedo. Oh, that sounds so hot in Bakersfield. It was so, and like I'd already worked a full day, right? And I'm like the assistant groundskeeper, so I've like, like dragged the infield. I've, I'm on the field pregame, like I'm doing stuff all day. I'm the ops guy, so right. Like, at the ball work and fixing plumbing and I'm like the assistant clubby so I'm like the help doing laundry and I'm, you know I'm all these things yep so I'm just buddy and gross and now I'm in a mask a costume and a tuxedo uh, and originally I picked up trash and then I was like man screw this so we just we put the tacos putting on the Ritz I don't know if you're familiar with putting on yeah. the Ritz by the band Taco yeah uh, and I, instead of picking up trash I would just throw trash around I never actually picked it up would, I'd take it up and I'd throw somewhere I'd, one time I was dancing with this woman in a wheelchair and I let her go and she ran to a brick wall. Um, it was it was fun. Um, but yeah, so that was random. In Charleston, part of my job was to clean up dead animals. Uh, okay. Like from from the uh, ceilings. It was on the mar- the ce- it's on the marsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small. So we got a lot of raccoons, we got a lot of possums, we got a lot of rats, you know. And it's like, they'd be like, hey man, I think something's dead in here. And I'd be like, okay. So I'd go out like, sniff around like it something's definitely dead in here <laughs> next thing you know in the ceiling looking for a dead animal uh, uh 
and I was I worked a lot with the promo guy in uh, Charleston because um, you know I have all these brilliant ideas no one ever asked me for yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and one one of the brilliant ideas I had was to drop a piano out of the helicopter which okay. never happened but if you're a minor league baseball team and you want a grand finale for your season or baby grand finale uh, Ooh. I got a whole I got a whole I got a whole plan um but from the idea of let's drop a piano out of a helicopter, we got let's drop 3,000 bouncy balls out of a helicopter and close stone plate wins $1,000. Okay. Which is a great uh, It looks great. Yeah. People want $1,000. They love that. You know what I mean? Like everything about it looks great. Um, which I contend that um, a piano out of a helicopter is a much better idea, but promo guy Nate and the people who are rational uh, <laughs> think <laughs> that's a better idea and I, you know you can only argue so much yeah. before before you're wrong um but um but while we were explaining this to the um the staff i hid in the ceiling of the clubhouse where we were having this meeting and and nate was like oh yeah philip can't make a meeting he's got you know some ops thing to do you know yeah and then and then somebody said something and the ceiling tiled it up and a thousand bouncy balls fell into the meeting <laughs> <laughs> but I spent half the meeting like, in a drop ceiling like just on a steel beam waiting for my cue that is awesome yeah man I wish somebody would have interrupted my staff meeting like that honestly yeah well, I'm good at interruption I'm not good at, I'm not like a, actually I'm actually not a great employee uh, <laughs> yell too much I'm angry uh, and I have terrible ideas like dropping helicopters or pianos or I really wanted to kill the mascot in Charleston, too. That was my other big idea. Oh, God. He's, do- he's a dog. You know what I mean? He's 25 years old. That's old for a dog. It is. It is. Ooh. I kill the mascot. We'll get a new one. Oh, gosh. You could partner with the ASPCA. You know, that could be yeah. You make a video. He goes out to the farm. He's fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. There's a whole storyline there, but when yeah. you walk into a meeting and you say, "Let's kill the mascot," people just think you're you're an asshole. Yeah. That's not wrong, but. <laughs> so this is the pulling tarp podcast. Do you have any wild tarp stories? You probably don't have many in Bakersfield. We didn't even have a tarp until. So. Oh my gosh! So not you a tarp. wow. So. We had home plate tarp and a mountain tarp, obviously. Yeah. Um, and at some point, I convinced the groundskeeper and the GM. I wanted to get the infield, the mountain tarp, to look like a rug. I wanted to be like a. Oh yeah. Yeah, like like the big one, like a rug to really draw the infield together. You know. Okay. Because it's just a tarp, you know. You like you get a banner printed, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, we eventually got. We didn't get a rug. We got a banner of our uh, program salesman. His name was Froggy. Yeah. Uh, everybody loves Froggy. He's like a character. Okay. Um, he, got, he got married at home plate. Um, and so we just had this giant tarp of Froggy's face. Um, nice. And the players loved it. Everyone loved it. So, um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, no tarp in Bakersfield. <laughs> okay. So no wild tarp stories from Charleston or Idaho? Uh, Idaho... I was talking to my friend uh, David Chetty visiting me being a broadcaster out in uh, Idaho, Idaho Falls and they, I don't remember it being a tarp in Idaho Falls but he tells me there was but oh, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember it um, and then Charleston we had a tarp that we pulled like 
five times a day. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you've ever been to the South in the summertime, but it rains quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and so I somehow snuck my way into being the guy on the other side of the head groundskeeper. Because, you know, head groundskeeper would just tell you, like, roll it faster, faster, slow down. Yeah. Make sure it's even. Uh, so it didn't fall off the, the tube. Yeah, yeah. And I somehow I just convinced everyone that I was the other guy on the other side, telling other people to slow down or speed up. So I very rarely rolled the tarp. Oh um, my gosh! I just and the the head groundskeeper, man, uh, great friend of mine, loved the guy to death. Um, but he hated me because um, I he's a serious <laughs> man. He's a serious man. He's got serious business. Uh, I'm not a serious man, so I would just make like I got. Uh, I got fired from the grounds crew uh, several times uh, from him. Uh, I wasn't actually part of the grounds crew, but I love dragging the infield. I love like yeah. on the, like in the game ready. Yeah, I don't even like talking. I just like holding the hose. I just, I just like to hold the hose. You know, like yeah, it's just a it's like a nice moment before the game. You know, like you've been busy all day, you're going crazy. You know, as the ops guy, I had to like make sure the entire ball was clean. Yeah, to and then or you know, but I worked in the same office as the food and beverage folks. So I mean, you know, I was kind of in, stuck in everything. Right. Man, for that 15 minutes, that pose, just yeah. peaceful, quiet. It always yeah. looks peaceful. I've never, I guess maybe I might have done it once, but. It's the best, man. I mean, yeah. I don't want to be a groundskeeper. It's like way too much work. They work really hard. Um, yeah. But just hanging out with the hours, great. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I, I never like, fell under the tarp. Okay. Um, you know. Mm. I just, I don't know. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, we do have one listener question, and it's from our good friend, Paul Caputo. Um, and he asked, who was the most famous celebrity fan of the Bakersfield Blaze? Yeah, it was Fred Willard. It was Fred okay. Willard. Um, it's uh, uh, Josh uh, uh, Johnson. Uh, not Josh Johnson. Uh, Jake, Jake Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, Fred Willard. Okay. And he, uh, he was really sad when he went out and Fred wasn't there. Um, but, it's, you know, being that close to L.A., man, we have all sorts of weird, like, people show up. Um, like, Gabe Stewart showed up one time. Oh. Like, the he's uh, somebody's agent. He just showed yeah. up and he's sitting down there. Like, okay. What are you doing here, man? Like, Interesting. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, all right, Philip. Where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's like at Philip G One, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is F O U P G. Uh, and then I have a um, Instagram account um, where I do paintings. Uh, it's sort of a oh. side hustle I've been doing for twenty plus years. Okay. Um, they're not good paintings. I want to get that right out of the way. Uh, they're not good, um, but they are there. Okay. Um, and they're, they're, I always, I always, when people are like, oh, you paint, what, what kind of paintings do you do? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like folk art. It's like, okay. Kind of like, um, but I always explain it. It's kind of like a Roger Miller song. It's like bright and happy, but it's all like kind of sad. If you like, <laughs> if you look past the bright colors and the, you know, the funny, yeah. Fun, like, but then I was at like, I'm 42 and nobody knows who Roger Miller is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know how like, listening to old sad country music um, other than me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Roger Miller, he wrote King of the King of the Road. He wrote, um, he's the Rooster. 
in um, uh, Robin Hood, the Disney oh, cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. He's got songs that are like super, they're all super bummers, but they sound fun. Yeah. Uh, it's those paintings that look fun, but they're all very sad. Um, but that's Phil G. Art. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And so I know you've listened to a couple episodes at least. Um, I end each episode with the same question. What has been your favorite walk up or warm up song in your minor league baseball career and whose was it? It's a it's a tie actually. Okay. And oddly enough, it's a tie. It's two dudes who are both in the major leagues now. Okay. They both use the same walk-up song they did in the minors. Ooh, okay. And uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, their second baseman, Poison Park, uh, played in Charleston with the Yankees, uh, Yankees at the because literally all of the Pirates were Yankees at some point. Yeah. Poison sure. Park, Diego Castillo, Ben Gamble, uh, all those guys were Yankees. Uh, but he had this, and I don't know if it's custom. I don't know if he had it made. He was from South Korea. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know if this is like something someone made for him or if it's a real song that I just never heard of, but it's like ACDC's TNT mixed with like sort of like a, like a fast, like beat. Okay. But it's just him, it, I, you know, it's in the song, it's them going, boy, 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 boy. But it sounds like, boy, 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 boy. Oh, okay. So I had, gotcha. Which in Charleston, people, I mean, people love to chant things. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so this like light hitting second baseman would come up and the crowd would go crazy. And they'd be like, boy, Holy, holy. Which I always thought was hilarious because, like, for all of the Latin American players, like, they're watching 7,000 people just yell, today, today, today. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yep. You're, um, you're right. You're right. But, it, I, you know, you watch the Pirates game and he still uses that walk-up song. Okay. Um, and the other is former uh, Cincinnati Reds farmhand, uh, Didi Gregorius. Okay. Uh, he walks up to Notorious B.I.G. Mm. He goes, Notorious. Because it sounds like Gregorious. Yeah, um, okay. This genius. Okay. Um, so yeah, those are my two favorite. And then in Idaho Falls, there's getting Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Culver. Malcolm Culver, his dad actually played for the Reds in the 70s. Uh, but Malcolm Culver is from Palmdale, California. Okay. And so he doesn't walk up song with Afro Man. Nice. Um, and anytime you got Afro Man playing in that stadium, it's yes, so great. It's awesome. Yeah. Love Afro so. Man. All right, dude. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Philip, for taking the time out of your evening. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on Pulling Tart Podcast and swapping some fun stories with me. Yeah, man. And uh, congratulations for getting through Beloit, man. Like, yes. you, you, you made it. You did it. It is hard work. Nobody appreciated it. But if nobody this week has told you, I appreciate what you oh, did for Oh, dude. Thank you. And, Thank and you. And I'm so sad that they ruined their mascot by going with the, the sky, the sky carp. Yeah. And got rid of that sad, sad-looking turtle. Why yeah. is the turtle so sad-looking? Well, that that costume had been through the ringer, so that might be why. I don't no, know. The lo- like the logo. Oh, he's like- angry in the logo. He looks so sad. Like, yeah. his dad is just kind of, like, hung over his shell. Well... Like, a lot of people didn't like to come to Beloit. Maybe maybe he knew why. <laughs> Between Kane County and Beloit, y'all really had the best logos and you ruined them all. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, the, yeah. the the Snappers logo is tough to beat, but... 
Thank you, man. Appreciate you. I like the party. Go pick up ten thousand from Dez. Go take about like twenty G's from Gina. Get the next door. I'm out of here. She's going all night. I can't sleep. And all that big butt nurse with the long hair comes. I need about three weeks of recovery But the nurses is loving me Saying the best part of the day is my half Feeding me breakfast and giving me a sponge bath Say I died dead in the streets I'm getting high, getting on the beach You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast Distributed by Stoveleg Media Make sure you check out our page at Stoveleg.com To learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show Stoveleg Media Igniting conversation Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. 